Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Justin Box. Today I want to talk about a pillar and a foundational truth that we set our lives on. And if we don't actually build it properly, then we struggle. Everything always comes back to this truth, which I want to share about. But I want to look at the life of Peter. I love Peter. Like I look at all the characters in the Bible and I'm like, for me, Peter is the most accessible for me as a human. When I look at his life from the call in in Luke 4 to the incredible miracles um, in, in the early part of Acts, where his shadow healed someone. Like he didn't know Jesus, like once he didn't know Jesus and he was called and something happened inside of him and he immediately followed, the Bible says. Something's got to happen in a person's heart and soul for you to drop your life and father and industry and support system and follow someone. Like something radical's got to grip your heart to do that. And I would say that that's been all of us. Like you wouldn't come here on a Sunday morning when you could be sipping lattes, reading the Sunday Herald Sun with the sun streaming down on you in Hampton. If you didn't say yes to Jesus and and, and there's something about it. Like I know my Sundays are cooked forever. (laughs) No, no, no. But I mean, we can look at it like that, but then we can look at the life that we've been called into and the promises and possibilities that he's, he's inviting us to walk in. Yeah. And like it trumps everything. I've got plenty of other time in my week to, to do that stuff. Of course, there is something about Sunday mornings, which I don't know much about anymore, but we've been called. Like something stirred us. It's immaterial. We can't touch it. We can see the evidence of it through our life and our choices and actions. But man, this was Peter. And we look at his timeline and we, we see him called and we see him start to follow. But then we see some amazing things that happen. We see him, a, a man, walk on water. Like Jesus said, come. Like, I'll come if you tell me. Yep, come. And he walks. And we know the story. He sunk because he took his eyes off Jesus. And we look at, we, a side point, we look at that, like he fell and we use that, we take, don't take your eyes. But G, Peter walked on water. Yeah. And then we go through this story and we see this amazing dialogue with that the, the other disciples didn't have. It was Peter and Jesus, this, this interesting dynamic that he wore his heart on his sleeve and he was honest and open and hungry. Like Jesus said, will you guys leave me too? And he said, no, I can't. You're, you have the words of eternal life. And we see it like he got invited into this space with Jesus that other disciples didn't because of his hunger, because of his heart. He was pulled close. He got invited to the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was transfigured. His form became different and lightning was shining on him. And Peter was there and Elijah and Moses, I believe, appeared like this open, crazy, supernatural vision. And Peter's there like stunned and he goes, should we build boxes or shelters? Like he just, he fumbled over his words so much, but his heart was so for God. And, and I just love the story. He, he professed his undying loyalty to Jesus. He said it multiple times, but then he'd say something or do something that, that really put his foot in it. His life was a, like a yo-yo. It was up and down, left and right, all over the place. He said, I will never leave you. And then he denied him three times. 
It was an incredible picture. He cut off the guard's ear because he was so in love with Jesus. And then Jesus amazingly picks it up and puts it back on. Matthias, I think his name was. So just, just think about this life of Peter, this, this all over the place life. Up and down, left and right, good moments, bad moments, good days, bad days. And I'm just like, can anyone relate? Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, can anybody relate? Yeah. Like, how, when we just think about our life, like we, we, we can have some good days and we can have some bad days. We can come to a worship service on a, on a Wednesday night and then Thursday is a stinker. And we lash out and we're rude and harsh and mean. Well, we've got incredible ability to be jerks. <laughs> I was sharing with Brett. We were just having a great chat. And I was just sharing with Brett about just life and the negativity, fast positivity feast. And just that like, we're, we're going hard after it. And we're just learning that, um, that God actually, his pleasure and acceptance about me isn't based on what I do. It doesn't excuse bad behavior, but my core identity is that I'm always loved and, and pleasure is flowing from him and it never ends. Because yeah. that's what he, he set it up with Jesus. He said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased before any ministry. Yeah. He has the capacity to see who we are and not stumble over what we do. Yeah. It doesn't excuse bad behavior. But I was just saying, like, during the week, like, I'm having a great week. Like, God's moving, talking, stuff. And, of course, there's challenges, but my, my hope and joy levels are remaining higher than they ever have been. Because consider it pure joy when you go through trial. So there's pure joy in a trial. And I want pure joy in a trial. doesn't deny the trial. doesn't deny pain. doesn't deny feelings and emotions and memories and triggers and all that stuff that comes up and out when we face stuff. But my joy and hope level and peace level are way higher than they've ever been. So I can actually look now at a circumstance and have a little smirk on my face because I know I'm getting an upgrade. It doesn't deny... I can actually know that I'm getting an upgrade and still not like it. Because Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So there's a mix of joy and pain. And I was just sharing with Brett that like Wednesday night, Lee asked me a question to do something and I was pretty cooked because at the moment life's just mental, like full on. Was that, a good, was that enough? Was that enough? That was, that was me, like, reacting a little bit for my, my life. Um, and I just, like, got defensive, answered like a jerk, shut down at the dinner table. It wasn't enough to cause a scene, because I don't cause scenes or get loud, um, but I just shut down. That's what Justin does. Stop talking, shut down, and then just try and... I don't think I try and make life miserable, but I try and let everybody know that I'm not happy. So just, I'll go do the dishes. And just like, and then Lee's like, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Oh, no. And then conviction hits. And then you process. I need a bit of time to process. Um, so I retreat. And, um, and then I, yeah, then I apologised. And then... We, there's Justin again the next day with his Bible and worshipping and Jesus and, oh, Jesus, heaven to earth and all this sort of stuff. And then he gets in the car and what the heck are you doing? We, when there's no car on the right of a roundabout, we go. We don't stop. Like, 
sorry, when the, we give way to the right. We give way to the right. If there's no one on the right, we go. Like, it's really simple. If there's, if there's no car on the right, we go through the roundabout. And often when we're coming up to the roundabout, we've got eyes and we can actually look at the whole situation. And I'm like, oh, there's no one there. And I'm, and I'm cautious, but I'm going if there's no one there. I'm not stopping. And people just stop. Not a red light. Doesn't have lights there, guys. And then that night, oh, Jesus, he's just, maybe even 20 minutes later, put a song on. Waymaker. Whoa, feel his presence really strongly. Yeah, felt some anger before. And I'm like, is this life? <laughs> like, look at Peter's life, and he was up and down like a yo-yo. Like, like a yo-yo. Left, down, upright, round and round, spun around, far out. And I'm like, oh, mate, it sounds like my life. Incredible growth is happening in my life. I'm growing. I'm, I'm as good as I've ever been. True story. But I still just look at it and go, man, I'm on a, I'm on a journey. Like we're in this process and we're not having an outcome mindset. We're embracing the process of growing. I'm celebrating. Bella doesn't know how to ride a bike. And I'm, gonna, I'm teaching her and there's going to be little steps of her just working out that there's got to be a bit of forward momentum so she's not pushing backwards because at the moment that's what's happening. But I'm like, I'm going to celebrate the, the, the one, the two, the three. And then the, she's going to, at one point, she's going to be on her own riding a bike. Maybe. <laughs> but is this, this is our life, guys. Can we acknowledge it? That it's similar to Peter. And I love that God approved of this whole Peter deal and this Peter's life and this relationship with Jesus and the dialogue. And he put it in there and he said, this is real. Like reality. But it doesn't negate the fact or deny the fact that we've been called up. That we, are, we have been called to a list that is possible, but we're on a process to get there. Is that Okay. So I just, I see Peter's life and I see it as inconsistent. And my, my heart in life is to be consistent. doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. We celebrate process. But there's these moments that, yeah, that, that define us, but then we can just stumble back. We can start the fast and miss four days and just want to give up. But there was a tipping point in Peter's life. And it, and it all came out after the resurrection of Jesus, this tipping point moment, because we know the story of the denial of Jesus. So he's publicly saying, I will not leave you, Jesus, because you have the words of eternal life. And then publicly, when the girl asked him, are you one of his followers, he publicly out loud says, I am not. And then two more times, he just flat out denies his allegiance, his connection with Jesus. And the Bible says that on the third time, Peter wept bitterly. There's moments in my life where I want to represent him. I want to please him. I want to, I want to live for him. I want to treat others according because we can't love God and treat our brothers and sisters like garbage. John actually says, you're a liar. <laughs> Woo! So I don't want to love God and have all this happening over here and I'm treating Lee like rubbish. 
He's actually saying, there's something going on here. And Peter had this moment of realisation of his whole life and his history with Jesus. And it was up and down moments and he's growing, but then he's back and he's growing. And he gets this point and he wept bitterly. Then we fast forward and Jesus is, is, we see it taken. And Peter's like this, it's inside him. After he wept bitterly, he's back with him. And Jesus said, can you pray? Just, can you stay awake for an hour? And Peter's like, you can just see him. Yeah, I can pray. Shouldn't I do that? Yeah, we can pray. Amazing. And then they fell asleep. So he's invited back in and then it's another failure. Can't you, Jesus said, can't you stay awake for an hour? And then the guards come and take him with lanterns. And Peter's devastated because of his, his connection. Like we love Jesus in this place, yeah? But our life sometimes doesn't reflect it. But it doesn't change the fact that his love is always on. There's an, always an invitation. There's always a second chance. There's a fourth chance, a fifth chance. It's endless, the chances, the invitations. It's constant. And he cuts the guard ear off because he doesn't know what else to do with this emotion, this, this anger, this frustration, this pain, because the one that's changed him is being taken from him. He cuts off the guard's ear and off he goes and we, we see the crucifixion and then the burial and the tomb, the stone rolled in front of the tomb. And then fast forward, all kinds of stuff is happening. Read, read the Bible, it's amazing. I'd encourage you to read the Bible because this is all in there. So you can check up on me. And then there's rumour that Jesus is missing. That the the stone has been rolled away. And Peter's like, I'm running. So he runs to the tomb. And John, who wrote the book of John, said that the one whom Jesus loved most outran Peter. What a jerk. (laughs) Why? I mean, why? Why? He's pretty much said, I outran Peter. But have have you ever heard this? Peter entered the tomb first. Have you read that? So John outran Peter, but Peter entered the tomb first and saw the clothes and he's de- what is going on. I'm devastated. I don't know what to do. Like my saviour's not here anymore. This is confirmation that it's all over and I love him. So then he just goes back to his normal life, back to fisherman. He was called as a fisherman. And this whole incredible three and a half years and now he's just back to life and Jesus is gone and I'm just fishing. And John 21, it's one of my favourite passages of Scripture. We see the disciples on a boat and they can see the shore from where they are and they're all just fishing. Peter's stripped for work, the Bible says. So he is nude from the waist up. And he's fishing because he's getting into it. He's sweating, he's hot, he's tops off. And then then there's someone on the shore and he offers them breakfast. And... One of the disciples said, it's the Lord. And then you see Peter's reaction. He puts his coat on and jumps in the water. Like that doesn't make sense. For me, I want to get there as quick as possible, but it must have been this honour thing where I'm putting my coat on because it's the Lord. It's my Lord. Like this is the Lord. This is my guy. This is him. And he jumps in the water and swims to the shore because it's the Lord. And this amazing thing happens where Jesus pulls him close and cooks him a meal. And he says, do you love me? And, and Peter says, of course I love you. And then he says it again, do you love me? So Peter denied the Lord once. 
And Jesus was restoring him and he said, do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you. Peter denied him a second time and on the shore, Jesus asked him a second time, do you love me? And Peter denied Jesus a third time by a charcoal fire. John 18, 18 says, do you know him? No, I don't know him. I'm not his follower. It was by a charcoal fire. What was Jesus using to cook the fish on the shore? There was a charcoal fire. Three times denied, and then the third time Jesus said, do you love me? Peter said, yeah, of course I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Third time. There was a restoration that happened. And in that moment, I believe there was a tipping point because we look at the life of Peter from that moment on and there's no inconsistency. There's no, there's no fumbling, there's no stutter, there's no um, second guessing, there's just confidence. And I want to propose to you today that this foundation is the love of God. It's the love of God. And if we don't actually get this, we will always struggle and always feel not enough. It's the love of God. Like we are obsessed with sin. People, us, Christians. We are obsessed with sin. We're obsessed with mistakes. We're obsessed with performance. Culturally, what we've been brought up on, rules and and you can't do this and you can't do that. It's in my friends. Like I have a beer with them and they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, yes, I can. Even if I got drunk, I can. I, I can. Doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean it's condoned because the Bible's really clear. Don't get drunk on wine. <laughs> cool, I won't because you're a genius and my life doesn't work out if I do. And I'd rather be drunk on the Spirit, which is really good. I'd encourage that. There was this tipping point in Peter's life because he was all about behavior, Peter, and Jesus is all about beliefs. I love what Peter said last week, Peter McHugh said last week here. He said, we are on a belief management journey. This whole Christian deal, this whole church deal is not behavior management. It's not this behavior management program where everyone's got to behave. That's why we've got a culture of honour and keep your love on running alongside this freedom and revival because we can't treat people like rubbish. That's why we choose connection. It's why we choose to be brave and communicate our feelings so we can be known and, and listen to other people's perspectives. That's why we do that because we want to go deeper. But we're so, we're so addicted to behaviour and what people do to us and what we do to other people, that we're scared to make mistakes. And we think that if we make a mistake and mess up, then he distances himself from us. It's such a, it's such a common lie to believe. And we live like yo-yos, up and down, left and right. But he's, he's set this whole thing up so that we can actually truly believe that the love of God never dries up, never runs out. And I want to share some scriptures with you this morning because I really believe that we need to understand what his word says about our life. And I'd encourage you, if you've got version, the Bible app, grab it. I'd, I'd encourage you to download it because often it's good to take notes and 
when we're growing and highlighting and he's speaking about this, like if I ask you what the Lord's speaking to at the moment in the Bible, like it's great to have an answer because we're in step with him. We're growing with him. Rather, I'm just not sure. Because if, if it's just always I'm just not sure, then we'll never actually grow. Like it's impossible. So I'd encourage you just now grab your phones out because there's quite a few scriptures. Um, you don't have to. Um, I'd encourage, uh, that's why I said I'd encourage you. Um, I'm not being facetious either. You don't have to do anything. So grab your phones if you want to um, follow with me and see it, or if you just want to listen, then no problem. And it will be on the podcast, so when you listen to it, you can write down the scripture references. Is that cool? But there is quite a few. But I want to paint this picture because we are obsessed with sin. And guess what? God isn't. I don't deny the ramifications of sin. I don't deny that a person's got to activate the promise of God to actually receive what's already been done. Don't deny that. Sin separates us from God. But this whole behaviour, lifestyle, and always got to be right and everything's got to be perfect with us and others. And if someone's not perfect in your world, we shut off. And we think God does the same, so we're echoing what the Father thinks because the way you behave with others is a reflection on how you think God treats you. It's a true story. (laughs) Because Jesus said, I've got a new commandment, to love people the way I've loved you. So learning how to actually receive God's love, and we'll see it showing up. If we really receive God's love, we treat people really well. Eric Johnson says that the... The number one sign of you growing in Jesus is loving people more. It's the evidence of you growing in Christ, of you growing in God. It's not Christian conduct or behavior or coming to church. It's evidence that you are for people. And often we stumble over this because we haven't got these scriptures in our heart. And as Peter McHugh said, we just rent the idea and we don't actually own it. Oh man, this is good. You ready? we're obsessed with mistakes and we're obsessed with behavior i'm passionate about good behavior but good beliefs actually creates good behavior amen Eleven twenty-eight. Um, matthew, uh, matthew eleven twenty-eight for someone write that down yeah okay psalm 103 verse 8 old testament a psalm of david this is, this is God. What I'm doing, technical, I'm um, presenting a doctrine of the love of God. So I'm using scripture to go, I'm proving my point, that I'm just not making this up. Are you ready? Psalm, Old Testament. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse you nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward us, um, toward those who fear him, that's like reverence and awe, not scared, is, is great as high as the heavens. So his unfailing love to those who are in reverence and awe of him is so great that it's higher than the heavens. Verse 12, he has removed our sins as far from the east is to the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. That's good truth. That he's actually removed our sin 
as far as the east is from the west. That's good truth. So he's not sin conscious anymore. He's son conscious. He's daughter conscious. He's more concerned with, it, with do you believe what he did on the cross? Do you believe the finished work? Because if we truly believe the finished work, it shows up in our life and we're no longer like a yo-yo. doesn't mean we don't have bad days. We just don't have bad weeks in terms of thinking like where it's all hopeless. We can have a challenging month where it's just pear-shaped, but our hope, joy, and peace can still be really, really good because of the love of God is always for us. Amen? So that's just one scripture. Let's go on to Romans. This is Paul quoting a psalm. Is that okay? So Paul's quoting a psalm. So when they quote Old Testament, often it's highlighted as capitals. And if Paul's quoting an Old Testament statement, it means it's still true. Does that make sense? So Paul's never going to quote an Old Testament statement and put it in the New Testament about how our heart's wicked. Yeah? It's always going to be echoing the new covenant that has been done. Yeah? Romans 4, 6 to 8. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works. They're talking about Abraham. He wasn't credited righteousness from what he did, but what he believed. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's the same for us. Your works don't get you into heaven. Your works don't make him feel any better about you. Your works don't do all the things that make you feel better. It's your faith in Jesus. You are justified by faith alone. That was the reformation in the church with Martin Luther. You are justified by faith alone. It's not by works. Let any man boast, Ephesians chapter 2. It's by grace Grace gave you the ability to believe all this. You couldn't believe in Jesus if grace didn't appear. And check out this, verse 7 to 8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Not going to be one day, are. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. So we're so fixated on behaviour and mistakes and, and stuff. And again, we are as passionate of any church I know in trying to do relationships well. You know what I mean? We're growing in it. Like the relational connection with people is everything. I was talking to Brett as well the other day about conflict and stuff. And we're just talking about it. And he goes, I'm never scared of conflict anymore. Quickly come up. Just say, why are you not scared of conflict? Because, because it goes, oh, you can't remember why. It was amazing. Um, I'm going to talk to you after this too. Um, <laughs> you give me full permission. Um, so I'm still for you. Um, but he, he said, I'm never scared anymore because I share and then I let them share and we never, it never separates because I understand their perspective. And then we grow and the relationship's better. I'm like, whoa, like we, this is revolutionary. Not only to the world, but to the church. It is revolutionary to actually think that in conflict you get better. If you learn the two, oh man, it's so good. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. God doesn't count your sin against you. Because Jesus already forgave it. He's forgiven it. Already done doesn't continually forgive it. Like he's forgiven your sin over and over and over again. If we mess up, what do we do? Yeah, we talk to him. We share with him. Hey, I'm sorry. 
But it's not, oh. <laughs> that was like pity and I suck and don't look at me, I'm ugly. <laughs> like, he didn't actually say, get out, Adam. He's like, where are you, Adam? I want to have a chat. <laughs> like, he never rebuked Thomas. And we call him Doubting Thomas. We've got a poster in our bedroom with Doubting Thomas on it. Like, like, oh, yeah, I know Thomas, Doubting Thomas. No, no, he, he, that's not his name. The church has labelled him Doubting Thomas because we're obsessed with mistakes and sin. Jesus never rebuked Thomas. Doesn't do it. The lady that was caught naked in adultery in John 8 is, is, is thrown down at Jesus' feet. What are you going to do? Mm, squiggle, squiggle in the sand. He who's without sin, throw the first stone. Go for it. Make it a good one. No one did. Everyone left. Where are your accusers? That's what he said. They've gone. Yeah, I don't accuse you either. Go and leave your life of sin. So this is how Jesus, he doesn't count your sins against you guys. And if we don't actually believe this, what we do is because we think he counts our sins against us, we count other people's sins against them. It's full on. All right, 2 Corinthians, this is a bit, bit longer slab. Okay, here we go. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. So every single person on the planet, Christ has already died for and forgiven their sins. Sounds like heresy, hey. Yeah, I know it does. But understand, they've got to activate the promise. Everyone's got to activate the promise. So he's forgiven their sin, past, present and future. Already done, 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 done. <laughs> it's a big deal. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So we live for Jesus now because he doesn't count our sin against us. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way. We just thought he was a philosopher or a religious figure, but he, something happened, like with Peter. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God's not only reconciled you and Him, but He's given you the ministry of reconciliation so that you can reconcile others to God. And this is the title, verse 19. This is the title of your ministry of reconciliation. Are you ready? So Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and this is the title, not counting people's sins against them. So you've been given the ministry of reconciliation because you've been reconciled, and now your ministry title that's on your business card is not counting their sin against them. But you can't actually believe that if you still think that God holds your sin against you. And he's mad. God's not mad. Is sin flippant to him? No. Does he love every person on the planet? Yes. Has he done something about it? Yes. Does he continue to do something about it? Every day, because he talks to us. And he reminds us of our role with the world. 
He reminds us that he's already forgiven them. And our job is to bring heaven to earth and an encounter so that they can activate the promise and believe in him and everything changes. Amen? Man, I love this. That God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Like we represent what God's like in the world and in church as though God were making his appeal through us. Paul, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that, we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus didn't just take on sin, he became it. That's why I think in Isaiah 52, 14, the Bible says that his figure was so um, marred beyond human likeness. Like as I was saying, like, it was difficult to make out that he was a person because like, he became every disease. Have you thought about that? Like, not only was he beaten to a pulp, but he became every disease. He became every sickness and he bore. He bore our transgressions. He bore our sickness. What does every disease look like on a person? Not only like, internal that we can't see, but the, the physical like deformities and, and cysts and like just think about this. Isaiah 52, 14, look it up. Like his, his figure so marred beyond human likeness. Like he became our sickness and disease. Like he became it, he absorbed it and he dealt with it so we don't have to. But if we don't actually have that sink in, it's a rented idea, then we're, we become obsessed with sin and he's like, I've already dealt with it. It doesn't excuse poor behavior. We grow. Is this okay? Let's look at another scripture that's commonly at weddings. If Mitch could jump up, that'd be great. If he was on, yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, Or someone who can play keys that's in the team. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Again, the love chapter. We know the love chapter. I don't need to read it again. I know it. (laughs) The love chapter. It's at weddings. I know it. (laughs) I don't need to hear it again. But like this is God about you. He's kind and patient toward you. Like he's reflecting who he is. That he's not obsessed with mistakes and sin and behavior. He's obsessed with you knowing this truth that will radically affect your behavior. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered and whose sin he doesn't remember. As far as the east is from the west, your sin is gone. He doesn't remember it. It's hard because the reality of our mistakes smacks us in the face every day. But if we don't get this, we can't actually grow into what he's called us to live. It's impossible to live the consistent life of bringing heaven to earth when we're actually not sure how he sees us. We're in the circle, guys. For those that were here last week, we're in the circle. We don't go in and out of the circle. But He wants to deal with our stuff in the circle. He wanted to deal with the stuff in the garden. Peter chose to follow from a distance after the denial. He wept bitterly and followed from a distance. That was was on Peter. Jesus is always inviting and pulling close. 
There's one more scripture, 1 John 2, 2. This is outrageous. He himself is the propitiation. It's a big word. There's only a couple of translations that use it, but it's the same Greek. Propitiation. Not sure if I've still said that right. He himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, comma, but also for those of the whole world. Propitiation, this is what it means. Christ is the propitiation because He became our substitute and took upon Himself the punishment for all sin. He not only dealt with sin, but He absorbed it and became sin. He accepted and endured the consequence for our sin, guilt and shame, and covered it and removed it by the punishment which He endured. See, Peter got an upgrade when he received the restoration and the love of God. It took a long time for him to truly get it. That he denied Jesus three times, was restored three times, and, and this incredible encounter happened and everything changed. You read all the accounts after that moment with Peter. Jesus goes and he's not happy about it, but he understands the Holy Spirit's empowering him. And they go to worship and they see the cripple. And Peter, he looks at Peter because he says, silver and gold, I want it, give it to me. And Peter obeyed Jesus when Jesus sent them out. Don't take silver and gold. Matthew 8, Jesus said, hey guys, don't take anything for the journey. Don't take silver and gold. I don't want you to take any money with you. So he obeyed Jesus in that moment. I love that, little things. It's powerful. So in that moment, he doesn't have silver and gold because Jesus said, don't take it. The beggar looks at him and says, I need it. Give me, give me, give me. Peter says, look at me. This is Peter who's inconsistent, fumbling, struggling with life thinking his mistakes and sins the number one thing and God just distances himself every time he makes a blue. No, no, no. He's had an encounter that changed him where he no longer rents the idea that God's for him all the time. But he owns it and he says, look at me. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Get up and walk. That's confidence. That's confidence in a a transformed life. And we just keep going on and the story just unfolds and he gets beaten and he gets put in jail and angels come. The angelic is attracted to people that believe that God's love never dries up. The shackles, the lies, the stuff that we believe, angels, ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation will will increase in your life and help with beliefs and and all this sort of stuff. They'll point, Holy Spirit will be there. The angelic, the, the Trinity, it's all for you to remind you, to empower you, to minister to you. This whole journey, can I sum it up? This whole journey is about replacing lies with truth. Washing your car isn't going to help. It's good to have a clean car. Eating healthy and going to the gym isn't going to help. It's important and I'm going on that journey myself. Often we try and use external things to cover up spiritual realities. We can't. Going to buy new clothes will help for an hour. I love it. We're due. We are due. But these things is what we just commonly do. We clean our car. We we go for a a long run. We eat healthy. We, We go and buy new clothes and we tick all those boxes which is a temporary feeling. All of those things should happen in the healthy life because we steward our life. It's really important. 
Those things are really important and we teach on them, but they can't be a substitute for going after Him and replacing the lies that we believe and replacing it with truth. That's where we're at as a church. It's not either or, it's and both. Is that okay? Can we stand to our feet?